I love that, that giving, right? Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I, I actually, I looked that up, and actually, you don't find it in the Gospels. There's no red letters of Jesus saying that. It's Paul quoting Jesus. And so Paul says, just like our Savior said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I love, I love little trivia things like that, but that's my Bible trivia days. I, I love all that kind of stuff. Um, this morning, I do want to talk to you. Uh, my message this morning is about kingdom generosity. And so uh, if you're taking notes, that's the title of this morning's message, Kingdom Generosity. We're going to be looking at uh, two major verses, one in the New Testament in red letters, Jesus, one in the Old Testament from King Solomon. And uh, there's probably other verses we'll throw in there, but those are my two texts for this morning. Uh, and so I'm going to pray again. I know you guys, this is a house of prayer. We've prayed like probably five times already this morning, but we're going to pray one more time because God's word is living and active. Yes. Amen. It is living and active, but there have been times where I've read this word and it did not transform me. I'm just being honest with you. And it was not because it was the word's fault. It's because I didn't have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit had to say. I was distracted. I was thinking about other things. I, was, I didn't have a soft and pliable heart. The Lord was trying to teach me something, but I was rejecting those things. And so my goal every time I read God's word is I want to make sure that I'm receiving the truth and that it transforms me. Amen. So would you pray with me that God's word does that to each one of us this morning, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So Jesus, we thank you that your word is living and active. That is the truth. And we thank you that we do have ears to hear what your spirit has to say, that we are children, that we are sons and daughters of God, and so we are led by the spirit. So I thank you that your word, your logos, also has fresh rhema word for us. So I pray that your logos would be that uh, rhema to us this morning, God, that we would understand the revelation that you're telling us, God, that we'd be doers of your word. So we give you our hearts, we give you our minds. Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so kingdom generosity. First verse we're going to look at is Luke 6, 38. I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. I, I know it in the New King James the best, um, but because this is generosity, kingdom generosity, I liked how this translation talked about generosity. So Luke 6, 38 says this. Give generously, and generous gifts will, give, will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. So I love that. Give generously, and it will be generously given back to you. There's this principle, right? There's this idea of, I want to talk this morning about kingdom generosity. There's things about kingdom generosity that's different than just being the world that just gives money to, to charity. There's something that, that I want to talk about. So there's three quick points that we're going to talk about in this verse, and then we're going to look at the Old Testament as well. So point number one is there's a new way of giving. In kingdom generosity, what Jesus has provided for us is a new way of giving. In the Old Testament, there was one way of giving. When Jesus came, he provided a new way of giving. Um, Jesus gave himself totally for the needs of people. We no longer need to pay a sacrifice or earn our way into good graces with God. Jesus paid the debt that we could not pay. Amen? We were debtors to God. We had sin. In other words, there's sin in our lives, and we owed God our lives, right? The wages of sin is death. But Jesus paid our debt. And so since he paid our debt, we no longer owe a debt, right? We no longer give. Our giving is no longer a debt that we owe, but a seed that we sow. That's a good one right there. I'm going to say it again. Our giving is not a debt we owe, but a seed we sow. So good. We got to say it all together. So repeat it after me. 
Our, our, gay, our giving is not a debt we owe, but a seed we sow. So what does all that mean? A seed we sow. So this idea, I was thinking about, it's not a debt we owe. If we really did owe, right, Jesus gave his life for us. So like to me, like the debt is not, I have to give my life to him, which is true, right? God's word says that. But the reality is everything that is God has given me, God, this, the creator of all things, Jehovah Jireh, who provides every good and perfect gift in my life, comes from him. There's no way I could pay him back. Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know about you, um, but anyone that's a parent, you know that children cost you some things. They cost you money. They cost you time. They cost you energy. They cost you effort. But it's worth it, right? It's a joy to have children. Children are a blessing to the Lord. And I was thinking about kids, and I, I quick, it didn't take me long. It was not like I had to do this real hard math. Real quick math, I figured out from the time that Benjamin is born to the time Ezra leaves my household, I will spend probably over a million dollars on my kids. That's, you know, food and shelter. That's paying for mortgage. That's paying for everything. everything. I was like, a million dollars. I will have spent a million dollars on my four kids in that 20, some, 20 plus years. I was like, there's no way they can pay me back. But I'm not looking for them to pay me back. They are not debtors. It's not like I look at my kids like, well, they better take care of me when I'm old because I spent all this money on them. They better spend money on me. That is nowhere in my thinking. As a, hopefully as a good father, not the good father, as a good father, I don't look at my kids and say, well, I'll pay for it this time, but next time you got, you got to buy lunch for me next time. <laughs> That's not their job, right? They don't owe me a debt. That's my child. That's the same way God looks at us. There's no debt that we owe to God. He doesn't look at us and say, well, you owe me one. I sent my son, so you better do this for me. That's not how God looks at us. As a children, he's like, no, you don't owe me anything. I freely gave to you. Salvation is a free gift. And not only salvation, every good and perfect gift that he gives us is a free gift. But at the same time, I don't owe God anything from a dead heir's perspective. But at the same time, looking at my kids, I don't, I don't expect them to pay me back the millions of dollars I'm going to spend on them, right? But I have high expectations of my kids, I am sowing into their life. I am trying to, I think about them every day of my life. I'm thinking about them. I'm taking them to football practice, to this, to games, to a friend's house, to birthday parties, right? I'm thinking about how to feed them. I got, they are in my thoughts all day long. And I am expecting, with a healthy expectation, a return on my investment. I've shared with you several times. I hope it's not overwhelming to them. But I pray since the day Benjamin was born, I pray over my kids all the time that they would outdo me in every way. That they would bring more pleasure to our Father in heaven than I ever brought. That they would share the gospel with more people than I ever shared. Not that they have to be a pastor. They don't have to follow my exact footsteps. I don't mean that. I'm not requiring my kids to be in ministry. Whatever God calls them to do, that's what I want. But I have this expectation that when I see Benjamin start on the varsity football team as a freshman, he beat me, and I'm like, praise God, right? I'm not jealous. I'm not competitive thinking, oh, he outdid me. That's been my prayer, is that my kids outdo me in everything. So there is an expectation. It's not that they pay me back, but that they sow the seeds that have been planted in them. I am filling their lives with opportunity, with blessings, and I want them to steward those and then to sow that seed. I, I'm praying that as I share 
sermons with you guys. That somehow it impacts you and it puts seeds in your life and you're able to sow those same seeds into your family, into your workplaces, into your friendships and relationships. <laughs> Just thinking about that, that side comment. Trust me, I don't work at Osborne for the paycheck, <laughs> right? I don't do this for your money. I don't work here because I'm, I want your money. No, I want to be a blessing to you. I want with generosity to give my life to you. I want to give my life to you, and I want you to be the recipients and the blessings, the benefactors of what I give to God. God has called me to ministry, so I'm giving him my life. I'm giving you my life. So there's this idea of generosity. It's not a debt we owe. I don't come to work and say, well, another day, another dollar, right? I got to go to work. Got to make some money. No, I go to work because God has called me to go to work, and it's a blessing to go do something to bless somebody else. And so I'm just sharing this idea that I could preach on this too long, but I could get, do these three points and then a whole lot more. So again, pointing out that this new way of giving, that Jesus opened up this new way of giving, that we don't owe a debt to God. It's this seed that we sow. Hmm. All right, before I move on to the next point, I got to say this. I didn't know where to put this in my message, but we even sing about it a little bit. But the Lord has just been reminding me over the last few weeks about adoption, that there is a thought process, right? You and I, we've been adopted into the family of God, that there was Israel, right? We're praying for Israel, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in that nation right now. We should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. But you and I, we were not physically, at least I'm not, I'm not physically in the lineage of Abraham, but I was adopted or grafted in to the family of God. Praise God. I've been adopted. And so this adoption that is on me, I have the spirit of adoption on me, the Holy Spirit. The spirit of adoption is on me, and I should have that spirit of adoption where I don't just receive the spirit of adoption, but that I somehow sow that spirit of adoption. I, this, I don't even, I know I'm just touching on it right now, but I feel like this, this word adoption is, <laughs> it sounds funny, is pregnant. Because there's things that God wants to do before he returns, a harvest, right? I keep talking about a billion-soul harvest. There are people that I feel like you and I, we are going to adopt into the family of God. There are people that you are going to become spiritual parents and mentors to. And he wants to prepare you to have this spirit of adoption where you don't just receive the blessing of being adopted into his family, but now you are adopting other people into the family of God, and you are becoming responsible for other people's spiritual well-beings. I believe the Lord is getting us ready for the harvest, and he's saying, would you have this spirit of adoption, this mindset of adoption that people need to be adopted. They need to be brought in to the family of God. Like I said, it's pregnant. There's a whole lot in there. That's not my whole message this morning, but I felt like I needed to touch on it. So the second point, we read this verse that Jesus talks about this new way of giving. First one was a new way of giving. Second one, giving and receiving belong together, right? What's that song? Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage, Right? There's something that they just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, right? Go together. There's certain things that go together. And Jesus has said several times throughout Scripture that giving and receiving, they go together. You will reap what you sow. That statement, all over. Because it's a kingdom principle. Where you sow generosity, you will reap generosity. That's the verse we just read, right? Giving generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. So there's this idea 
that giving and receiving go together. We put, in our, we put ourselves in a position to receive when we give. I, I mean, I could talk on this about everything. I don't mean this with just money. I'm talking about scripture all over the place that says, um, you want friends? Then be friendly. Right? Whatever it is in life, if you're saying, oh, I just need whatever it is. I need people to help me move from one location or like house. I need people. Well, then you better be a person that helps other people move houses. If you're never helping anybody else, nobody wants to help you, right? It's just this truth that as you give, people are like, oh, they're such a generous people. I, I, I messaged somebody this week because I had a dream about a friend that I haven't seen in a few years. And I had a dream about this person. And I woke up in the morning thinking about that person. It's like, man, they've been so generous to me throughout the years. They've given me finances just to bless me and my family. They've done this. I just, I started thinking about all the things that, man, again, not that I, I need to be even with them, but I realized it was lopsided. They are so overly generous to me and my family. It's like, God, thank you for them. And I, I just, I was motivated to be a blessing. So I just reached out to them, you know, sent a Bible verse, prayed a blessing over them. Because they were so giving to me, I wanted to give back to them. So it's just this truth that you position yourself to receive after you've already given. I love this idea where it says um, that it's not just receive something, that it's this idea that Jesus says it'll be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? It's more than enough that you can't outgive God, that when you give him, he's always going to give you more in return. This word running over in Greek is hupernikaio. And I, I, as soon as I read that in Greek, my mind went right away because I know Romans chapter 8, like I said, is one of my favorite chapters. Um, it talks about that we are more than conquerors. That more than is that hupernikaio. The idea that when we pray and ask for things, it says that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask for. That same word is used in there multiple times, this hooper, above. That God, when he sees you give, he's like, ah, oh, praise God, I get to overly bless that person now. Where I can only give them a small measure, but as soon as they give, oh, now I can just load on the blessings into their life. And so there's this idea that in God's kingdom, he doesn't, one, it's not like one plus one equals two. God will always outdo. He's a God of multiplicity. I can always remember Pastor Matt up here. I think he had a sermon on um, multiplication. And if you remember Pastor Matt, it's hard to forget how he gave his messages. Um, but very over the top. Um, but I, it was so perfect. But he was talking about that. He, he exemplified what it looks like to be over and above and beyond. Right? He didn't just give a message. Man, he gave a message, right? Pastor Matt, he went above and beyond to communicate all that he wanted to share. And I love that. Um, and so that's who God is. When you give to him, he wants to overly give back to you. So I want to move quickly. Third one, third point. The actual product may differ. Actual product may differ. What do you mean by that? Another lesson of the harvest is that the product received may differ in form greatly from the seed that is sown. We should then remain sensitive at all times to the different ways in which God may deliver our harvest. As you saw, even in that video, that family decided to take a child and say, okay, we're going to give $30 a month, and we're going to take on this, this payment. As they took it on, they were not just being a blessing to that child. 
they received a different type of harvest. They saw their own daughter being transformed, beginning to think of other people, beginning to have ideas of how to help, right? The idea is that when you give in one way, you might receive in a different form. And are we recognizing that? I, I was thinking about this, uh, Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? All those different things. And I was thinking about that. There's times where I have sown in faithfulness. I'll give you an example. Uh, a friend of mine from childhood, they did something, this is a long time ago. They did something to me that hurt deep. They still to this day have no idea how deeply it hurt me. But I sowed in faithfulness that friendship. I wouldn't allow that to cause a division and say, you know what, I'm not going to be friends. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I just said, you know what, it hurts. I'm not going to bring it up. And I'm not going to ask they forgive me. I'm not going to even talk about it. I'm just going to keep sowing in faithfulness to this friendship. And at what I sow in faithfulness, I received in joy. I received a brother. I received a friend. It was faithfulness that I was sowing. But I received peace and joy, all these fruits of the Spirit. There's things that you can sow. I'm not talking about finances here this morning. I'm talking about there's so many things you can sow and receive in so many different ways. And I'm saying multiplication. God says, sow in this one way and watch how I bring peace and joy and gladness and provision and financial success. All these things I bring into you as you just sow in this one area. Our generosity means a lot. Sorry, my brain is going really, like, sometimes, you guys know this. I talk too fast. My brain is going like 100 miles an hour, and I'm trying to talk at this pace. Um, yeah, just thinking about so many different ways that Scripture points out. That we can sow in kindness and reap repentance. That's what God says, right? His kindness leads us towards repentance. That there are people that you can be opposed to, like enemies, like in the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, just love your enemies. Be kind and gracious to those that oppose you. Because as you sow in kindness, you're going to reap in them repenting. There's also, I say multiplication in how God does things. But there's also, I think, in investing, I say that word investing. When I invest in something, sometimes there's bigger returns. I, I, I do, I have a, well, I used to have a 401k, but now it's just a, what is that, IRA? Um, money in the stock market, right? And I've seen how that money grows. Over time, it grows. So I want to continue to sow generosity. As Jen was giving those examples, um, we got our, they call it from Compassion International, we got our 15-year sponsorversary um, from doing uh, Proven and Nona. And I just was thinking those 15 years, as Jen said, it's been multiple different kids, three different kids over the 20 plus years. I don't know. I have a type of relationship with writing letters and things like that. I have no idea until I get to heaven how that $30 a month has impacted God's kingdom. But I praise God that I can invest in different ways, that it's not just into my own kids. I can find other kids to adopt and I can sow, and I can do these things. So again, I am pitching compassion this morning, not to manipulate or twist your arm to do something that you don't want to do. No, I'm trying to give you examples of how it blesses you. I gain nothing by anyone taking a compassion child this morning. 
It doesn't do me anything. The idea is I'm trying to give opportunities for you to see that as you sow seeds of generosity, it benefits your own life. And as a, a pastor, I want your life to go well. So I want to teach on generosity, this idea that generosity is important, that we are giving, that we're looking for ways to give. Uh, okay, really quick. Someone who exemplifies this really well, Uncle Bert. I call him Uncle Bert. He constantly is giving me gifts and finding ways to bless me. Oh, we just left on our anniversary, and as I was pulling out, he probably doesn't want anyone to know this, but too bad. Even as I'm pulling out of the parking lot, he chases me down and hands me some money and says, I know it's probably not a lot, but just add to it. Do something nice for your wife. Just add to your date night. And I'm, just, I'm sharing with it because we need to see the practicals of what that looks like with generosity. Finding Bert, he does such a great job of just looking at people and how can I bless them? How can I be generous? How can I take what I have and give them something? And that's what I'm saying. I want us to learn how to do that even more. We are a good church at doing that. But there's always room to improve, to grow, to multiply our generosity. Let me ask you a question. Some of you might know the answer. And it's not yes. When is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. It's one of those things where I can say, ah, oh, well, I look at my life and I wasn't very generous. I missed out on it. No, but today's a new day. You can sow seeds today. You don't have to say, oh, I missed out on this. I'm, I'm at the end of my life and I can't do. No, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Sow a seed of generosity. So getting to the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Wisest man to ever walk this earth other than Jesus King Solomon said this, Cast your bread upon the water, for you will find it after many days. I'm going to stop there. You can keep reading the verse. But who here has at least a question of what that means? Cast your bread upon the water. Like casting breadcrumbs on a lake waterfront. Like why would we want to put bread on water? Does that make, anyone else have a question? Like what does that mean? Yes. Cast your bread upon the water. What does that mean? Well, let's read the rest of the, the two verses here. For you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. I'm a New King James Version kind of guy. That's my Bible. That's what I've had since I was a kid. I grew up in this church, so that's my go-to. I've memorized the most verses in New King James. It just makes sense to me. That's what I like. But I love reading all the different versions. And this is one where I learn by reading a different version. <laughs> Casting breadcrumbs in the water means nothing to me. But then I read it in New Living Translation. I'm like, oh, New Living Translation. What does New Living Translation say? Send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. Okay, that still takes some mental figuring out, but it's making a whole lot more sense, right? Send your grain, not breadcrumbs. Send your grain. Okay, money, resources, things that you own that are yours. Send it across the seas. Diverse, diversify your investments. Don't just, pointing to compassion, I didn't even know this till right now. Don't just spend a million dollars on my four kids. Send my money across the seas internationally and take care of kids in other nations. Because profits will flow back to you. Again, it might, the product might look different. I'm sending money to feed kid in some other nation. But I'm returning, I'm getting a return on my investment that I sometimes am unaware of. King Solomon, full of wisdom, 
Send your grain across the seas. I love sometimes looking at all the translations. Message is not an actual translation. It's a paraphrase, but it says it even more succinctly. The Message Bible. Ecclesiastes 11.1. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. It's getting clearer and clearer. Don't just throw bread on water. No. Invest in acts of charity. Because charity, if you could pick an investment, it's like picking Apple, right? In the first few years, it went public. Starbucks, whatever the ones that have blown up, right? Amazon, you pick it. King Solomon is saying, invest in acts of charity. You want to know the best investment you can put money into? Charity. Invest in acts of charity because it yields high returns, like 100% returns, maybe a million times returns. So there's wisdom in that. But I love that, that next verse. I don't know what translation I'm in anymore, but divide your investments, New Living Translation. In, divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks may lie ahead. So again, it's saying diversify, multiply. Don't just take care of your own biological children. Find some other children to take care of. Adopt, whether it be through compassion, whether it be spiritually adopting other kids. There are people in this church who adopted me long before I was a pastor. I'm praying they're getting returns on their investment. There are people that you can adopt spiritually and you can get incredible returns on your investment. Begin asking the Lord, what does this look like? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to, sorry, I'm looking through my notes. I'm skipping some stuff, going to where I want to go. So Jen read from Proverbs. I'm going to read from that same verse again. Proverbs 19.7, I don't have a slide for it, but you heard her say it earlier. If you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you, right? I want God to repay me. I don't want to give my money to some bank and they repay me. I'd rather give my money to God and have him repay me. Proverbs 28.27, I had no idea she picked those Proverbs to read, and these were in my notes. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. In other words, God's response is guaranteed either way. If you give generously, God's response, he gets to multiply generosity back to you. If you don't give generously, according to Proverbs, he says that there's a curse. There's a response from God either way on how we respond to opportunities of giving generously. I want to quickly just share two things. So I shared during um, praying for tithe and offering that our, our finances, our, our tithe and offering has gone down. It's close to like 10% year to date, gone down 10%. Like I said, we're able to pay our bills. There's no worry. There's no concern. I'm not like freaking out. I'm not preaching this morning to get you to give money to the church. Put it this way. If I wanted you to increase your money to the church, I wouldn't give you another opportunity to send your money across the nations, right? That'd be like a dumb, logical thing to do. Like, oh, we need your money, but can send your money across the nations, right? So I'm not worried at all. But what I think is, I think there's, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm bringing up the fact that our finances are lower and I'm giving you an opportunity to cast your bread upon the waters. Because I want God's return. I don't want more of your money. I want God's blessing. I want God to take care of the finances of our church. I don't want it to be dependent upon your bank account. Trust me, I don't want God's, what he wants to do in this church dependent on our current bank accounts. I, I, I have too big of dreams and visions of what God wants to do with this church. I don't want to be limited that way. I know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And I want his blessing. I want his finances. 
But I think this is so apropos, so timely, that Jen and I, we picked this Sunday, I don't know, months ago, for it to be Compassion Sunday. I had no idea I was going to be talking about this the same time I'm talking about our tithe going down, all these other things. But I think it's just God bringing these things together. That he wants to bless Osborne Neighbor Church, but he wants to see us being generous. I don't care if your increased finances to our church goes up at all. I just want to see a heart of generosity, whether it be nothing to do with finances, but generously giving our time to people, praying for people, interceding for people, spending time with people, whatever it is, right? You find those things to increase your generosity. And I'm going to see how the Lord returns that upon us. Because I'm talking about finances, I said our church finances. I even shared just a quick story of my own personal finances. Oh, no, TMI, right? Jen always gets scared because she has no idea what I'm going to preach on on Sunday mornings. And she's like, I'm going to tell a story about Jen. She's like, what story? She has no idea. Um, so I don't think this will be too much TMI. But even my own personal finances, I look back this last year, and I realized, oh, man, Several times in the last several months, I've had to take money from my savings account and transfer just a little bit into my checkings account just to make, pay my bills. Like, that's a normal thing when something like the, the water heater goes out. I got to spend, you know, I got to buy a new water heater. Okay, that's not in my normal budget, so that came out of my savings. I, I try to put money into savings, and then when I need to buy something bigger, okay, pull it out of savings and pay for it. So I'm used to doing that every once in a while, transferring money to savings and checkings. But I went back these several months, and I realized there was no out-of-the-ordinary purchases, it was just normal life, and I'm like, why am I having to take money out of my savings into my check? And after I noticed it was multiple times, I, was like, I went my quiet time with God. I was like, God, this doesn't seem like a coincidence. Is, like, I, just, I went like, is there sin in the camp? Like, am I doing something? Did I, I miss something? Like, I, don't, I feel like I'm not getting blessed. I feel like there could be a, a curse because my finances aren't prospering. What's going on? And it, God didn't tell me right away, but as I sought the Lord, I just began to think about it. He reminded me of something, so I quickly went back to my finances. And I went back several months ago. There was a source of income that was that doesn't normally come in. It came in, and I didn't tithe on it. I thought for sure I had, but I went through all, and I, I didn't tithe. And I looked over those several months, almost to the penny, that entire income got spent on bills. Because I didn't tithe on it, the 100% was taken up. And I'm giving that as an example that when we're generous, when we are faithfully stewarding tithes and offerings, God can pour out blessings. But when we're stingy and we hold on and we don't be generous, when we don't be generous, that's probably not good English, when we're not generous, his favor, his blessing can't rest on us. So I'm sharing that this morning, this idea of generosity. Again, I hope you're hearing my heart, is not to get one more penny from you for Osborne or for some compassion ministry. The idea is I want God to bless you. I want him to pour out such blessings that you cannot contain it. That'll be shaken together, all together, running over in your life. Not just financial blessing, but everything that you would lack no good thing. And God's word says there's a connection to generosity. My own personal testimony says there's a connection to my finances and where I give them, where I sow them. And so I just want to share with you this morning, you have an opportunity to be generous, yes, with compassion, with finances, but with one another. We talked about before we started the, the service, with wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, just being this heart of generosity that I will prefer you over myself. As we learn to have this heart of generosity, what is the Lord saying to you? And as, oh, it is time. Let's try to start wrapping this message. So, Daniel, you can start coming up. But Holy Spirit, what is he saying to you? Because my heart is not to manipulate you to go adopt a child. I, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. 
But what is, why is God speaking this message of generosity this morning to you? Because I believe it's for the whole church, but I know the Holy Spirit tailors messages. That what I said, what the Lord said to Jose might be something different than he said to my dad. God tailors messages. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? As I went these last couple of weeks, I spent time with God, and I realized his favor was not just abounding in my life. There must be something off. And I had to search the Lord and find out, oh, that's the specific of where it is. And I quickly made it right. And I'm expecting God's generous giving to come back into my life as I make that right. So would you close your eyes with me and just let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God, I, I recognize that you are the most generous being in the universe. That you have given me, as I said, every good and perfect gift. Everything that is good in my life, it came from you. All of the favor and things I don't deserve, we say it many times, that your mercies are new every morning. Things I woke up this morning, I didn't do anything to deserve it, but you just gave me fresh grace. Fresh mercy, fresh provision. You just gave it out of the goodness of your heart towards me. You're a generous God. And because you're so generous, I want to be generous back to you. I don't want to do it out of compulsion, out of a debt I owe. But God, I want to seed. I want to sow the seed that you've given me. Every penny I have, it really came from you. So I give you the tithe. I give you above and beyond the tithe. I give you the offering. I don't want to give at a place where I'm just comfortable. I, I, I'm praying this for myself and maybe for someone else in this room. God, I've been a faithful tither pretty much all my life. But God, I don't want to just give the 10% if I can be generous above and beyond the 10%. If there's more I can give, God, show me how I can give it. I don't want to give to a level I'm comfortable of giving. I want it. Huh, I'm praying a, a scary prayer this morning, God. I want you to call me to a place of generosity where it costs me something. As the good Samaritan, it took him money, but more than anything, it took him his time. He was on his way. He was traveling. He was busy, but he stopped. And he loved on somebody who needed attention. God, forgive me when I've been too busy to love on somebody who's hurt and broken that I didn't even see the opportunity that someone was bleeding, their heart was hurting. And because I was so busy, I walked right past an opportunity to be generous. As you are a generous God, would you conform me into your image, Jesus? I want to be generous. I want to give above and beyond. I want you to not be limited in any way to pour out your blessings. Hmm. And you can open your eyes. Before we sing this song, I just, I know, so many things, like I said, I still have so many things running through my head. But I just was thinking about this truth. I, I didn't even put this in my sermon because I think this was going to be part of what I wanted to say today. But I think studies show that the average faithful church-going Christian that attends regularly on Sunday mornings 
If you got all those Christians together, they give no more than 2% of their finances to, to God. Whether it be to compassion, tithe to church. And I just share that truth with you because I feel like God is saying, that's not what he's called Osborne to. You guys are faithful givers. There's many of you that give way above and beyond. But he's saying he wants to bless you. So this, this morning's message is not to condemn you, not to beat you up, but it is to challenge you. It's to put courage inside of you. You can give. You can be generous because you can trust him. He's your provider. Your bank account's not your provider. Your, your job is not your provider. God is your provider. And you can't outgive him. So would you stand with me as we just close the service and sing one last worship song just to bless the Lord?